What up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. My name is Carl, and I'm excited to be rocking with you guys for yet another episode. I'm actually really excited to be here. Um, I love podcasting. I don't know if you guys can tell from as many episodes as I've began to release. I've gotten some really good news. I'm working on another podcast upcoming. Um, I've lined up some incredible interviews. Uh, it's just a matter of scheduling now and getting them all, you know, live and brought to you guys. But man, I'm happy. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Um, I had some pretty amazing things happen to me over the weekend. Uh, I've worked on my communication in all of my relationships, right? Not just dating, but, you know, with family and friends and all that. And I'm just happy, right? It's been a tough three years for me. It's been a tough two years for many, many people across the world. But uh, just keeping it all in perspective, just happy to be here, glad to be alive, uh, you know, glad to have the sun shining and, you know, be be healthy and well. And if you're not healthy and well, just, you know, being here and fighting to become healthy and well. So I hope everybody out there is doing well and being great, you know, living your best lives and all this, that, and the third. And what we're going to be talking about this week, uh, you guys know I'm theming it out. Uh, this week is just working right? You guys know that podcasting is my full-time goal. That's what I'm working toward, being able to do full-time. Um, and there's a lot of projects I have on the horizon, but the meantime, in between time, even when I had my own travel company and my own bar, you know, I was teaching. I was working on the side, right? The bar was an investment, but I still needed a full-time paycheck until it got off the ground. And then even with podcasting, right, you need some some stable income, right? Even with Uber and Uber Eats and doing all that stuff, if you do do that, sometimes you don't get calls or sometimes people don't tip or sometimes it's raining you don't want to drive, right? So consistent income is needed. But what I want to talk about specifically this week um, is work life home versus abroad, right? Just the adjustment there, and I'll get to that on Friday. But for today, it's being unemployed at home versus abroad, right? And I, I'm like, I really want to share this perspective because, you know, in other podcasts, I've always talked about as an expat, you know, I went abroad and started working and living when I was 21 years old. So all of my real work experience, if you will, because I was told this in interviews, because uh, when I was in high school, I was a manager at a movie theater, I had all these internships. I worked for Goldman Sachs and Travelers Insurance Company and uh, Lehman Brothers. Like I worked for all these amazing companies. But, you know, when it came down to the job, I was just an intern. Or, you know, I had a full-time position, but it was for a summer, only for a couple months. Uh, the only job I had long-term was a movie theater job, which was one of my favorite jobs. But, you know, when I went abroad uh, in my 20s and when you go early on, all of my work experience was abroad. Right. So when I'm interviewing and coming back home, it's hard because if like I've always said, if the person interviewing you cannot conceptualize or doesn't understand exactly what you've done as a result of living abroad, they've never thought of it, never even been on their radar. Then it's hard for them to kind of, you know, put your experience and your skill set, you know, to use unless you are in a, you're in a very specific field. If you're an engineer. Right. If you're a doctor, if you're going in something like if you're doing coding, that's something that's transferable. But in leadership roles or, you know, I, I was a sociology and anthropology major. Uh, I studied Mandarin. Right. So a lot of my leadership, a lot of my leadership came in education. But, you know, I wasn't a certified educator the very first year. I had experience and I got certified, but I wasn't a certified educator from the beginning. So there's just a lot, you know, that went in between that. So looking at my resume, it's like, well, yeah, you are a manager and director, you know, at a private school. But. What does that mean, right? Is our school, then they have more questions. Are schools in Taiwan the same as schools in America? Like, what was your role? Did you build curriculums? Well, is it, is it really a real curriculum? These are real things people said. 
Like, was it a real curriculum? Like, how did you build it? And I, I, I could give them a binder full of things that I've done. I led an entire department full of like 35 people. Not a non-transferable skill. Ah, well, we don't know. We're going in a different direction. Someone who has more experience, someone who's more local, understand locally what we're trying to do. And I'm like, dude, I just lived in America. I'm still American. I'm, I'm sorry. I just lived in Taiwan. I'm still American. Like, I still understand what it means to be American. I grew up here. Oh, yeah, but you know, you've been gone for three years. How do you think you'll transition back into it? Uh, seamlessly? Like, other than technology, at my core, I'm still American. I hang around with Americans in Taiwan. So, I mean, it's it's so fascinating, right? Just how your experience abroad is viewed when you come back home. So a lot of people, they go in their mid-20s, but that's even still post-graduate school. And even graduate students who have all this experience and have all these great connections struggle to get jobs after graduate school. Like, it's just what happens, you know? So, again, now imagine that. Right. And, and I'm just talking about the application process. Right. Going to work in Taiwan, I'll touch on that, which is very different because they're looking for you to be different. Right. To be international, to have a lot of different experiences. So you can bring that either to the classroom, to whatever job you end up having abroad. They're they're opening it up for you to work as a as a foreigner or as an expatriate because you are not from where they're from. So that application just looks different. Like they want to see all the different things you've done in America. And they already understand. They go into the interview knowing you don't know nothing about where you're coming to. Maybe you do. Maybe you've been here before. But, you know, culturally, work, work-wise, a lot of things you just don't know. But that's not, it's built into the interview. They understand that. That's why you're coming because they want that international presence in the classroom, in their company. You know, uh, they want your skill set, but they want you to relocate because they see what you can contribute to their company. But on the flip side, coming into America, it's not necessarily viewed like that. And I'm not saying for every job, but for non-specific, non-trade jobs, right? It is very difficult. So imagine, imagine this. Imagine being unemployed in another country. Now, I will say this. I have residency in Taiwan, right? So after five years, I wasn't unemployed in, I wasn't unemployed at any stretch of time in Taiwan, but I had residency. So even if I didn't, have a job. My job wasn't tied to a visa. I could still stay. You know, I could work at 7-Eleven, a gas station. I can do whatever I wanted to. But imagine not having that, right? You want to stay in a country uh, or you've been in a country and then all of a sudden, you know, like with the coronavirus, the job is starting to downsize, right? You don't have, they, and they're, they're going to let you go. And, you know, some countries, they give you two weeks. Some countries, they'll give you severance. Some companies are like, oh, your last paycheck in two weeks, big dog. And then, you know, the company's shutting down. We don't have any money to give you, so we literally can't give you anything. Like, imagine that, right? But again, you're in a whole, a completely different country. And, you know, when we sign our contracts for our apartments, they're year-long contracts. You can't get out of them. And if you do, you don't get your deposit back. The deposit's like $2,000. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm losing my job, I don't want to lose $2,000 for defaulting on my contract. I don't. Right. A lot of people, a lot of people were faced with that. Right? But, but then imagine being faced, like, OK, well, wait, well, wow. Now what do I do? And again, one of the great things about being a foreigner, specifically an American in most countries where ESL is big, is you can probably get a job teaching. But what if that's not what you want to do? Right. Like for me, I had been teaching for eight, nine years. I was so ready to get out of it. Like I loved what I learned being a leader. I love what I was doing academically. I love what I could create. But I found myself stuck in a system where I couldn't elevate anymore. I couldn't have the impact I wanted to have. The world was changing outside of where I was. But the where I was, they weren't willing to shift. 
they were like, well, why, why change what's working? Well, how do we get it to start working through change? Yeah, but now that it's working so well, and, and you know, and, and, and that's just the reality of life. Even parents, administrators, they were older, right? Older generations leading younger generations. They're like, well, we did the hard work. Now let's reap our let's let's reap what we sow, but let's reap what we sow for too damn long. And that was what I was running into. And I'm like, well, no, like I'm not, I'm a naturally creative person. Now I can't draw, I'm not an artist or nothing like that, but I'm I'm creative, I'm ambitious, right? I like to try different things. I like to make mistakes, I like to have success, like I enjoy those things. But as we all know, failure is a part of success. Trying, like even, because again, when you have a lot of money at, at stake, you don't necessarily want to fail. But trying is a part of success. You have to try something in order to succeed in it, to succeed at it. That is a fact, right? We all know this. But again, when you're unemployed abroad, you're just like, Man, and again, I once I got residency, you qualify for unemployment benefits for up to four months, similar to the American system. But I like imagine how scary that is. It's frightening. It's terrifying. Like it's so terrifying because you're like, I'm not ready to go home. If I do go home, I have to take all of my stuff. I'm losing all this money. It's frightening, right? And you really don't know what to do. And for the most part, most people living abroad. I don't want to say all, but most that I know. From my experience, they have some sort of savings. Most people don't move abroad without anything to fall back on, right? Some people end up abroad without things to fall back on because, you know, they're in school. And after school, they go straight out. So some people do have that because they're in school, though. So school is kind of like something you fall back on. But most adults who are going there and plan and make a plan and all that, they have something to fall back on. But it's scary, right? Because you're like, I'm not ready to leave. This wasn't a part of my plan. I have to go through the job search. I have to get my resume together. I, have, I can still go door to door. I have to put it out there. Like most, believe it or not, in, in areas where the aging population is in charge of hiring. And again, I'm, 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 I'm just saying from my experience in Taiwan, technology ain't really their thing. <laughs> like it's not. In some places, some people are really struggling with that. Like it was a lot to get people to understand Zoom. And I'm not even just talking about aging populations, young people, right? Because we use our cell phones for a lot of things. A lot of the world is computer-based. And once it had to, you know, to make that switch, the aging and the also the non-technologically savvy population had a lot of catching up to do. So imagine having to apply to places where that is a large part of where they fall short. Like some, if you if you are an interviewer, if you're a leader and you see a bunch of applications and resumes, how many resumes look bad? And these are young, old, doesn't matter the age, right? And I say, I use that in Taiwan because most of the people who hire are directors and most directors are upwards of 50, right? So they are the older generation specifically in Taiwan. And they're not, most of them aren't that technologically savvy. Some of them are, I've worked for some who are. But you know, it doesn't matter the age, but just think about it. Like you've seen bad resumes. It's like, oh my God, you haven't, you know, but a lot of people, are, don't still don't have access to technology and information to be trained on how to use these things. So you know, when, when you're abroad, depending on where you are, some people get their jobs through companies. Some people, like they look up one place or have a reference and they go there. So imagine waking up and then bam, you don't have a job and you're halfway across the world. No family, no close friends, other than the ones you've made abroad who have a full-time job and maybe don't have the capacity to help. Like really, really sit back and think through that. Scary. Now, unemployed at home. There's so, again, I think this goes without saying, there's so much comfort, right? It's scary. 
especially if you have a family and if you have a bunch of bills and if you're making a certain amount of money and if you're living paycheck to paycheck, like we know that. I don't want to necessarily focus on that part of it, but just the difference between it happening abroad versus happening at home. You know, when you're at home, you know, there are certain protocols most companies follow. Like you understand the system, right? You get it like, okay, I'm unemployed. I know I, I know places like, that are hiring where I can go and get a job just to put food on the table, right? Oh, I know I have backups. I keep my resume ready. I have these professional references, right? And even when you're working abroad, like you have references, but they don't necessarily use them like that. It's pretty much just used for gossip purposes if you're in education. Oh, how was this teacher at your school? Will I be able to manage him? Not was he a good teacher or was she a good teacher? Will I be able to manage them? Did the parents like them, right? Were they easy to talk to? What's their reputation? And your reputation really does follow you on a small island like Taiwan. But you know, in America, you don't really necessarily have to deal with that. Like people will ask you for your references, but you can use anybody, right? I'll use your friends. Me, I've always been a firm believer. Use your professional references. Make it a point to get them. You need them. People who can speak about you professionally because your friends, they know way too much about you. Sometimes it's hard to toe that line. But yeah, like there's just a level of comfort with it happening at home, right? And when I was here and I was looking for a job, the job search was, and it's as big as America is, I could feel it that there were people who needed jobs and they were just, and people who were hiring were overwhelmed with applications, with trying to fit requests, with trying to put the right person in the right place while also trying to stay balanced themselves. It was a crazy feel. I can feel it through the application process, through the interviews I was going on. Abroad, unemployed, you can't really feel that culturally. You can sense it, you can ask about it, but you can't really feel it. But it's such a scary and eye-opening experience to just be nowhere, like literally so far removed from your comfort zone and not have a job and be unemployed and have to figure it out. Like there are no resources. One of the things that I've told people about owning a bar abroad, there weren't any government resources to help me bounce back. It was all on me, which is why it was so hard and I'm still recovering from it today. You know, the same thing applies to being like being back here. There were resources that were available. There are resources available. But imagine losing your job unexpectedly and trying to figure that out, figure it out. And I'm not just talking about surprise unemployment, just the job experience abroad. It's just so open and so unique and so different than what we're used to. Right. And it's just a, such a long process because it's tied to your visa. It's tied to, you know, it's tied, like your salary. You have to figure you have to get health checks. You have to make sure you get an FBI background check. Similar things you do in America for some jobs. Some jobs to get your social security number, they'll just do a real quick background check. Nah, abroad you need your fingerprints. I need all these things. So, again, this I kind of just want to touch on this just to give you an idea before I hit on this on Friday of, you know, the adjustment period that comes with working abroad and working back home. And I'm really excited to kind of dive into this. I know I've touched on it in a previous podcast, but I really want to dive into what it's been like for me personally, working in an office setting abroad, working in my own business abroad, having my podcasting abroad even, versus what it feels like back home in America. And for those of you who are listening that have maybe never lived or traveled abroad, you know, just put yourself in that situation and how would you respond? Like really think about it. I right? think about how fortunate you are or unfortunate you are to be in the position that you're in. Right? Some of us are in, in, un, un, in unfortunate positions. What I mean by unfortunate, it's like you feel like you're in a different state working, right? And you've moved there. 
And God forbid you're looking for a change. It means changing your entire life. That's a fortunate and unfortunate position at the same time. And very similar to being abroad, right? Because it is a different place. I will say Chicago is very different than Austin. People are different. Accents are different. All that. All right. So make sure you guys tune in to this Friday's episode where I'll be talking about just the work aspect of being abroad. And I'm really, really going to dive in depth and give you guys some, you know, some examples from my personal, my own personal experiences, as I always do with the Black Expat Podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you guys also become a patron of the Black Expat Podcast. And if you like what you're hearing, hear what you like and like what you see, make sure you also uh, you know, subscribe, like, and share. I was featured, the last thing, I was featured on Homegrown Podcast, and I also have a feature today uh, that's come out today on Black Sick Global Podcast. Make sure you guys check both those out. Um, one of the quotes that I know, Coop, if you're listening, but uh, she was also interviewed to be on my podcast, pointed out uh, something I said that kind of resonated with her and also a few other people who commented on it was, I like, I like my lifestyle in Taiwan. I like my life in America. And if you don't know what I mean when I say that, go and listen to Homegrown, the podcast, or check out Blacksit Global Podcast, which features me on both of them. Or, you know, listen to my podcast, because I touch on that too. But y'all know what time it is. My name is Carl, the Black Expat. We are out of here.